Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Truth About Emotions podcast with me, Deborah McPhillamy. So I have an important question for you. Do you find that there's still parts of you that you are hiding? There's various parts to each and every one of us, but sometimes there's that just something that you don't feel comfortable to share with other people or to show with the world. And before I get into a little bit of a, a deeper conversation, I must quickly share this with you because it's so funny. I, I am so amused at myself sometimes. I really am. I've become a selfologist over these years, over the past five, six, seven years. And to me, a selfologist is somebody who studies themselves. It's almost like you, you observe yourself. So instead of judging yourself, you start looking at yourself and you start being amused by your own behavior and the things that you do instead of feeling bad in instead of feeling like a bad person or as i said judging yourself you just become amused by the human being who is you anyway i was sitting in bed watching telly i can't remember if i was not feeling well or if it was cold or winter's day or you know reading a book or whatever but I was eating a chocolate and I can't remember the chocolate. It was just something really yummy. I think it's chocolate nuts or something. And I could hear my husband walking down the passage. And before he got into the room, I quickly swallowed and I hid the wrapper. <laughs> but I didn't do it quickly enough. And he walked into the bedroom and he went like, what did, what did you just hide? And I went, uh my sweet rapper and he's like why and I just burst out laughing and I said I don't know I really don't know why I did that and it made me think and I thought to myself you know sometimes we feel so judged when we eat too much or we feel like we're eating the wrong things or if we feel like our you know we've put on weight or our weight is not acceptable to other people um and then we do these weird things, you know, because after menopause, I put on a lot of weight and I'd always naturally been slim from the age of 18 upwards. I used to have lots of puppy fat um, when I went through puberty, but then I lost it all. And then I was just naturally slim. I didn't have to work on um, keeping my weight down. It just stayed down. So it was quite a shock for me after or going through menopause that I, that I put on a lot of weight. I put on like two stone, which is like what's it about 12 15 kilos so I felt like I would be judged because I was sitting eating this chocolate on my own and there was also a little part of me to be fair um to be brutally honest I didn't want to share it I was like you know you know when you have kids and you hardly eat something or you open a wrapper and there they are and they want it so this was so special I didn't want to share it and I didn't want to be judged for eating it because I felt bad about myself because I'd put on this excess weight. But yet the funny thing is, my husband is the least most judgmental person you've ever come across. He's never commented on my weight gain. But anyway, so that was like a really quick story about how I felt like I had to hide that part of me, but but I quickly changed that. Um, but the other part of me that I hid for quite a while and I caught myself doing it again this past week was I'm a very spiritual person and you know even as a teenager as a young child I was quite spiritual but growing up in a home with religion anything that was not sort of taught in the church was seen as woo-woo as new age um, it was it was feared it was um, treated with judgment and so over the years I've learned to 
deprogram myself from religion because there was a lot of stuff that I didn't agree with. I was very fearful. I was, I was very scared of God. I was fearful of this devil that they had created. You know, I really, really lived my life in fear. And I didn't want to know this God who manipulated um, or who punished or all this, you know, this horrible picture that has been painted about God over the years. And so when I got to a point in my life where I was really struggling with it, with a lot of things, I just thought, you know what, I would love to have a relationship with God because over the years, some amazing things have, have happened in my life. Super, um, how can you call it? Super spiritual or miracles. Um, from healings, you know, my finger being healed, it was chopped off and it was instantly healed um, to me asking God to bring me my husband. I remember sitting on a beach and saying to God, I'm terrible with choosing men. Can you just bring me my husband and bring him across my path? I'm ready to get married again for the right reasons. And I met him six weeks later or something like that. It was a month or six weeks later. We've been married for 12 years. Um, walking down a street in Canada, not having a lift back to America. It was a complete different story about how I ended up there in the first place. Walking down the street and saying to God, oh, please, I just want to fly home. I don't want to um, spend another day in a car or a train or a bus. I just want to get home to my children in South Africa. And um, I put up like a little notice at the conference where I was attending it was a spontaneous invitation when I ended up at this conference and I put up a little notice um, looking for a lift back to catch my flight back from New York and the same day that I was walking saying oh I just love to fly back and somebody heard about my my request and they bought me a ticket back an air ticket back I mean it was just as I said I've had so many miracles in my life even this year which is so amazing for ages now, I've been wanting to stop drinking wine because before I moved to England, I didn't drink much. It just wasn't a thing. I would drink it at a dinner party. I would have a light cider every now and then. But alcohol was just not my thing. And um, so I got married into a drinking family and, you know, everybody drinks here. And I felt like I was missing out in a way and I started drinking wine and I started enjoying it. But I got to the point where I was drinking it every single day of my life and at least half a bottle. And when I asked myself why I was drinking so much, it was because I was trying to escape my life. I was not happy with the way my life was. I wasn't happy living in England. I didn't like the weather. I didn't like the lifestyle. You know, I moved here for love. I didn't leave Cape Town because I didn't like it. I left for love. And I still love Cape Town, absolutely love South Africa. But I met my husband while I was here um on a holiday on a break and fell in love and we got married and so I moved here for love not thinking how my life would be impacted so when I started drinking so much I realized that it really was about I just didn't want to be here I was soothing my sadness my depression and um got to the point where I was really addicted to drinking every day. I was eating stuff that I would never eat. I've always been very, very health conscious. Well, not always, since 1998, when I healed my body from chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, so I was always health con I've always been health conscious since then and just started eating rubbish and processed food and just not feeling good about myself. And I remember saying to God the wonder, I was like, please help me. 
I don't want to feel bad about myself every day. I don't want to feel guilty. I don't want to feel like a bad person. Please help me to kick this habit of drinking and please help me to kick the habit of eating rubbish and food, which I knew would cause a reaction in my body. I mean, I've had IBS since I was a kid, but yet I was still eating things that I knew would make me ill. So anyway, what happened was I got COVID, um, not last year, the year before, became really, really ill with COVID, lost my sense of smell, lost my sense of taste. Um, and then I started getting better, but my, my smell, um, for some reason, didn't completely uh, recover because months after that, I started smelling things and tasting things again, but I just couldn't stand the smell of onions anymore. I couldn't stand the smell. And, and funny enough, I'd identified onions as being um, the one thing that made my IBS a hundred times worse. Every time I had onions, I was in, in terrible pain, but sometimes I would still eat it. And so from March, I think it was March this last year, I suddenly couldn't stand the smell of onions. I couldn't stand the smell of meat or the taste of it. Now, I used to be a vegan before. Um, so I stopped eating that and I started feeling so much better. I lost a stone just within weeks, which is six kilos. It just The weight just dropped off of me, but I was still drinking. Then I developed this histamine intolerance i think i've always had it because i've always had a problem with allergies but what was happening is that um i started feeling dizzy i started feeling wobbly and vertigo all sorts of weird symptoms and it was uh, i went and saw an alternative person and she said to me you can't have sulfur or nitrates and stuff you need to cut that out you've got to cut out the wine and even then, I was like, oh, man, I don't want to cut out the wine. So what did I do? I went and bought some of this wine clear stuff that you can spray in. Oh, I had hydrogen peroxide. I put a few drops in because that's supposed to clear this, the sulfites. And I carried on drinking wine because I just didn't want to give it up. I was so stubborn. And then the, towards the end of last year, I had some wine and I was like, oh, I don't like this. I'm not enjoying this. And then I tasted another one. I was like, no, it tastes gross and it gives me a headache. And it's so interesting because ever since then, I have completely kept, kicked this habit of drinking every single night of my life. There's no longer a need for it. Um, there's no desire to eat or drink the things that make me ill. And I think that this was it, it was almost like a, a self-sabotaging thing that I was doing because I knew intellectually that my body didn't like it. It caused me fatigue, um, hangovers, all sorts of things. But there was a part of me that just wouldn't allow myself to give it up because there was, first of all, the stubborn streak as in, you know, don't tell me what to do. I want to do as I please, when I please, drink what I want to, eat what I want to. I don't care about the repercussions. But I also feel like there was a bit of self-sabotage because over the years I've noticed that every time I've said, that's it, I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to be myself. I'm going to stop being a people pleaser. I'm going to stop putting other people ahead of myself. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then suddenly my mind um, would come up with some new way to self-sabotage me. And I know I do go into the mind a lot in my selfie school for women and men, although the one for men at the moment is not running. Um, but basically, 
you know, I found that I was just really struggling to kick these habits. And it was only once I surrendered it and I said to God, please help me to do this. Now, my relationship with God has been a really interesting one because, as I said, when I was um, forming a new relationship, I had to find ways of doing it that wouldn't trigger me and because I really did not want to have a relationship with God because as I said I saw him as this big him as this big monster who dished out punishment and you know you would burn in hell if you didn't bow down and worship him and all those horrible things that that a lot of us have been taught over the years and I remember at the time saying to God um you know, I, I want to have a new relationship with you, but I'm going to have to change your name. I can't call you God because it brings up horrible feelings in my body. So until I have cleared all these feelings I have about you, I'm going to have to call you something else. So I decided to call him or her, whichever. Um, I don't know if God is a man or a woman or a male energy or female energy, but I'm going to call you Charlie. And so every time I would pray or talk to God, I would talk to Charlie because for me, Charlie is a boy and a girl's name. And, you know, there's that whole Charlie's Angels thing that that goes with it. But I've honestly um, developed this incredible God, this incredible friendship with God. And what helped me tremendously was listening to Neil Donald Walsh's books, um, Conversations with God. Loved the first one, didn't get on with the second one as much. I loved the third one, but I loved the fourth one, Friendship with God. And I've listened to that probably seven or eight, nine times. And I kept listening to it over and over and over. And especially at nighttime when I was going to bed because I felt it very soothing and it answered all my questions. And um, now why I'm telling you all of this is that, so this week I was recording a video for for my selfie school, which is a self-academy. for women to help them to you know reignite or reclaim their personal power and i put on i've got a pendulum and so and it's it's the colors of the chakras because we talk a lot about energy and chakras and we look at the whole being of a person so you know in selfie school we talk about emotions and the mind and everything that gets in the way clearing the emotions and the beliefs you know getting rid of the irrational beliefs But I also talk about spirituality because as human beings, you know, we are mind, body, soul, spirit. We're made up of so many components. And so anyway, I put on this pendulum around my neck and I had this immediate thought saying, you can't wear that. People are going to judge you if if they see you wearing that. And I caught myself and I was like, wait, why am I still embarrassed to show this side of me that is so spiritual? And fortunately as i said i've become a selfologist so i'm very aware of my thoughts i'm very aware of my actions and behavior so i can quickly nip it in the bud before um, and then analyze it and then get rid of it and it made me realize that i was still unconsciously holding back on the side of me because i don't want to be judged i don't want to be not be liked i don't want to be looked at in a weird way the way other people or you know the the church that i was in used to look at other people who were a little bit woo woo because i can honestly and truly say that my spiritual side or me connecting to the spiritual side has been the reason that my life has transformed the way 
it has, especially over the past couple of years. You know, every time I don't have a solution, when I'm at my wit's end, when I'm desperate, when I'm fearful, when I really, really, really do not know what to do as a human being, I have always turned to God, source, the universe, whatever it is. You know, when I've tried everything in my human capacity, do something, I've then turned to God and said, can you help me with this? But now what I'm learning to do and which I've been doing the past year is instead of waiting to get to that desperate place is to ask immediately and just go, you know, I even do things like um, I've got this angel. I believe in angels. And I started talking to my guardian angel the very first time I started traveling on my own in 1998. Uh, the first time anyone in our family had ever left South Africa to go overseas and back then you know you couldn't just have a direct flight you had to go via a couple of countries and all of that so i'd come via england and i was here for two days and then i could only catch my flight over to america and so i was all on my own never traveled overseas abroad before and i was sitting on a little um this tiny little cot bed in this youth hostel somewhere in london and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm on my own. Who am I going to speak to? Who am I going to share my experience with? And then I remembered, you know, being taught about guardian angels. And it's not just the church that teaches about guardian angels. It's most um, religions and spirituality, we, you know, spiritual beings. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to give him a name. So I called him Angelo. And so I started talking to Angelo. And honestly, there are times where I can feel his presence. There's sometimes I have felt him sit on the bed next to me. There's times where I've been so sad, where I've literally felt invisible arms wrap around me and seen these huge wings. It's, it's just been an incredible experience over all these years, um, connecting with the spiritual realm and connecting with God and our guides and our helpers because, um, you know, they're here for us. They're here for that reason. And there's so many people around the world that talk about it. You know, I often hear, visibly hear things. Um, I ask for signs. Um, I'll say to God, you know, I'll ask for, and if I'm still a little bit of a doubting Thomas every now and then, then I'll go, just give me another sign, please. And then I'll get another sign. But what I'm saying is that I'm not at this point where I rather ask for help sooner rather than later because for some reason we feel uncomfortable to ask for help. I know I have been and I don't know if it's because it's ego or if it's because we think we have to know everything or we're gonna it's a weakness to ask for help and it's taken me years and years and years to ask for help so now I've got to the point where I'm like I'm gonna ask for help before I have a meltdown before I get to a desperate stage and I was saying about Angela, the reason I was talking about him was that I even enlist him in simple little things, you know. Um, I'll say, can you just show me where I put that? And then he'll just show, I can't explain it. It's the weirdest sensation. I can't find something, right? Then I'll go, Angela, can you show me where that is? And I'll suddenly be led to move something or go to another room or it's just the most incredible thing. Um... I read a book as well and watched an interview with this woman. I can't remember her name, but she's written a book called Hire the Heavens. And she talks about how you can hire <laughs> angels to help you in your daily living. 
And so, you know, I even do that. I'll be in front of my computer and I'll be worried that I, or not worried, I'll, I'll be frustrated because I can't sort something out technically. And I'll go, Angela, can you just show me how to do this, please? Or if there's another angel around, a techie angel, please, can you show me how to do that? And you know what? Every single time it works. I can't explain it, but what I do know for sure is that in my life, being a spiritual person has made my life so much more interesting so much more fun i've been able to manifest things make things happen the peace you have so much more peace calmness the knowing that you can just ask for help and get it is just phenomenal it's just transformed me as a person and the most important thing that i've done by becoming a spiritual person is to learn to surrender because I think this is the whole thing about where we get caught up when we don't want to have a relationship with God or with the angelic or spiritual realm is that we want to be in charge we want to be in control we don't want to hand things over and that's all about the ego you know like we feel like we have to prove something I was like that for so many years and I think it's a it's a young person's thing because as you get older you think, why Why do you need an ego? Why do you have to prove anything? There's nothing to prove. You can just, and I think it also comes with when you get to a point when you love and accept yourself just as you are. You realize you've got nothing to prove. You realize you're not in competition with anybody else. It's okay to be unique. It's okay to be woo-woo. It's okay to be odd and different and all of those things. You don't have to try and be anything that you're not. And I think when you get to that point is where your ego goes away because there's no need for an ego. So learning then to surrender and hand it over does not mean you are now going to be a puppet on a puppet master string because that is what I thought it was. You know, my dad used to say things like, let go and let God. And I'm like, why? What? Why would I want to do that? Why would I want God in charge of my life? You know, I'm not just going to bow down because he says I must. I mean, that was honestly the truly the anger that used to come out because I used to think, why, why am I on this earth if I don't have my own will, my own right, and I've just got to be manipulated by this fierce being that is going to punish me if I don't do what he says I must do, then I'm going to burn in hell. So it was this huge thing um, that held me back from being more spiritual and being able to surrender. Um, but yet, when I look back at the times in my life before I developed this new friendship with God, um, it was at those given times of surrender that God went, here we go. Yeah, here it is. You know, from things like um, I got a contract once working for, um, I was an I had my own training business in South Africa. I was self-employed and I was working, training emotional intelligence in corporate companies and schools and government departments. You know, anybody who wanted to know about emotional intelligence in the workplace. I really loved it. Um, and anyway, I was on the bones of my ass at one stage, really struggling. I think it was right in the beginning of starting my training career and I was seeing so many clients, oh my goodness, and obviously having to sell it to them and tell them about emotional intelligence, nobody really knew what it was, so it was it was quite a quite a task. Um, and anyway, during one of these, me introducing myself, I was doing lots of talks um, as well, I had met with the South African Police Services, um, there was a group of us, they were looking for some 
training and they were looking for some volunteers actually to help some of the some of the volunteers that worked for the for the police services and there was obviously some woman there that had met me or heard me talk my little talk and anyway um i lived in port elizabeth and i'd flown up to johannesburg for a big contract deal that was about to happen it was a really big contract it was two million rand at the time for this contract and I just met with a woman again when she said to me, I'm so sorry, but, you know, we can't continue with this. We've been bought out. Um, the Everything has been reshuffled. The budgets have been reshuffled. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this because I really needed the money. Really struggling at the time with finances, being a single mom. And, you know, maintenance was hit and miss. It, honestly, it was never constant. It was a big battle having to go back to court over and over again to try and get regular maintenance and it just never happened um anyway and i was flying back to port elizabeth feeling very distraught and going what on earth how am i going to get some money in to feed us pay the bills and stuff and i got into my car and i was screaming at god i was so upset i was like you're supposed to be my provider um you know this is the time when i still had a love-hate relationship with god you're supposed to be the source of my income. I don't even have money right now for toiletries, blah, blah, blah. What do you want me to do? Really angry. And I was crying and there was snot everywhere. Oh my gosh, it was just, I was a mess. I was a mess. And anyway, the, my phone rang, my mobile phone rang. And I pulled over to the side of the road and I answered the phone. And it was this woman from the South, South African Police Services. And she said, listen, are you that Deborah?" that was in that meeting, you know, that does the training and stuff. And I said, yes, that's me. And she said, well, listen, I've got some money here that I have to use. And if I don't use it in the next couple of months, we're going to lose it. And they'd been given some money by the European Union to use in the Crimes Against Women and Children Division. And she said, come and see me. And I went and saw her. And within a week, it was wrapped up. And I had to deliver, I think it was 11 or 12 courses, but the contract was a half a million rand. I mean, it was just miraculous. I hadn't even sold to this woman. I was in a meeting where a group of us were volunteering to help volunteers. And so when I look back over at my life and in those moments of where I have always asked or handed it over to God, it's happened. But here's the thing that I just also want to say, you know, the law of attraction to me is very much about, you know, God, the angels, the spiritual beings or whatever help us to get that. Because, I mean, there's got to be this force there, right? I mean, it doesn't just magically appear. There's these spiritual beings that help us with, with this law of attraction. And, but there've been people over the years that teach you, you know, for you to attract something in your life, You've got to feel good all the time. So there's a lot of people that are going, well, this doesn't work. This law of attraction doesn't work because it's unrealistic to expect a human being to feel good all the time. You know, we have this whole spectrum of emotions for a reason. They're there to tell you when you're off course of life. They're there to tell you when you're sad. They're there to make you, you know, I'm not going to go into the whole emotion thing, but to say to somebody, you're only going to get something or being given something or achieving your life if you feel good is rubbish. It's absolute lies because nobody would get anything then. And I have noticed that over the years, whether I've been desperate, sad, angry, happy, joyful, 
it doesn't really matter. I have manifested or things or stuff or people or money or whatever has manifested in my life, but it has been when I've surrendered it, when I've surrendered it to the universe, when I've surrendered it to God and I've said, please, can I have this? Or please, can you bring this to me? Or please, can you help me with this? It's got nothing to do with me going, oh my goodness, I'm such a wonderful person. You know, I deserve to have this. Now, don't get me wrong. I do believe that, you know, those are emotions. It helps when they're not there because it gives you a better outlook on life. And those emotions, you do have those, un, you know, those emotions of unworthiness or not feeling that you deserve it or um, that you're not good enough. I mean, gosh, this is all the stuff we clear in selfie school. But those emotions are there because of the way you believe about yourself. So I do believe that it's very important to learn how to get rid of those emotions and change those beliefs because it's going to make your life so much more fulfilling. It's going to make your life so much easier and happier and more joyful you know because i believe that our purpose in life is to be joyfully content so if you want more calmness and peace and and fulfillment then yes of course it's a good thing to learn how to get rid of those emotions and the beliefs and the thoughts that are causing them but what i'm saying is it's not you are not only going to receive or the universe is not just going to manifest to you if you are feeling good, I think that's a lot of rot because um, it hasn't just been my life experience to attract things like that, but a lot of my friends as well. You know, a lot of things happen, good things happen for them, and they don't sit there meditating all day going, I feel good and I deserve it and I'm worthy of it. You know, that's not the case. So, anyway, coming back to that side of being spiritual, I went off a little bit of a tangent there, but try. And remember that everybody else's experience and, you know, you being you, don't compare that to other people. Just like I was explaining about the law of attraction and how we manifest things, that hasn't worked the same as a lot of people are saying it does work. And so make sure that you are tuning into you and allowing you to be you. Because I honestly believe that when you're being yourself, when you're not resisting being the person you are and every aspect of you. Don't even compare one side of you to anybody else. Don't compete with anyone. There's no need for it. Um, so when you are fully living as you, when you get to this point of learning how you can surrender, and I'm not saying you have to do it, but that's just who I am. Um, and when you connect to these incredible beings that are there to help you, as well as source, which is just a source of love, I believe that your life then starts unfolding and it has for me so no longer will I hide any aspect of myself I will speak openly about everything that I believe and and what I do and what has worked for me and I'll share that and if it resonates with you then go for it you know take it use it if it doesn't resonate with you then discard it I mean I do that all the time with teachers if I go oh no that doesn't feel right to me then I just don't even I ignore it. I don't take any notice. So I just want to encourage you to be you and to embrace yourself holistically. Every single aspect of you that makes you the incredible, unique being that you are. And if you're struggling to be you and you want some help getting rid of those irrational beliefs, clearing those 
uncomfortable emotions, join Selfie School. It truly is a wonderful place, non-judgmental, very inclusive um, for all women of all ages. You can find out more about it at selfieschool.me at the moment you can join for only nine pounds a month it's not going to stay at that price but if you join now um, it's going to stay at that price indefinitely for you um, so do check it out and come and join a like-minded community of women who are ready to release their personal power and to just be the the magnificent beautiful unique being that you are from me, Deborah McPhillamy, until next time, have a good day. Cheers, bye.